Hello, and welcome to the Christ Table Podcast, a Bible study for those who struggle with digging into the Bible, but who want to develop a richer faith, one with some meat on its bones. I'm Kevin Young, a media guy turned minister who's passionate about helping others thrive, especially spiritually. If you're unaware, Christ Table is a movement of people returning to church to her roots in homes, around tables, over food with old friends and fresh conversations. Check us out over at www.christtable.today. In the meantime, today's study continues the topic of unity as we make our journey through the book of Ephesians. Today, we're in chapter 6, verses 5 through 9. Let's dig in. When we come to Ephesians chapter 5, verses 6 through 9, we are in the third part of a three-part series where Paul is essentially giving good practical advice for households. We started with practical advice for marriage relationships, specifically marriage relationships between a man and a woman, because of the role of women in society in the first century was very different than the role of women today. And uh, Christianity comes along and provides a radically different uh, view of the role and the rights and the value of women. And so Paul has to kind of get into that and say, in a marriage relationship, here is how that might need to be lived out. Then in the second part, we talked about children and how children and parents should interact with each other. In much the same way as women, children had really no rights in a family. And the way they viewed children in those days was very different than the way we view children in these days. Christianity comes along and very much upsets the social order. It gives value and freedom to children and also encourages parents to take a personal responsibility very early on for their children. And so Paul has to kind of walk through and explain again how Christianity is different in that relationship, just as he did with the relationship between men and women in a marriage setting. And so today we come to the third household code conversation that Paul's going to have. And this one is between slaves and masters. Now, the first thing that we need to understand as we've tried to explain over the last few days, is that the cultural setting and situation in the first century is very different than it is today. And so we have to resist the urge to place our ideas of what marriage is and looks like on top of the first century. Same thing with parents and children. We have to resist the urge to place what happens today in family relationships on top of that, or else we're going to misunderstand what Paul is trying to say to marriages and to families. Same thing when we come to today's verses in chapter six, verses six through nine about masters and slaves. When we hear the word slave, typically, especially if you're watching this in US America, we think of, we, we think of the racial slavery that happened uh, in the last few hundred years. We think of slave ships coming here from Africa. We see slavery as a race directed situation. And uh, those things are true for America, but they were not true in the first century, at least not in the context that Paul is writing to. There, slavery was not based on ethnicity. Any ethnicity could be a slave. And people could fall into slavery by any 
means, honestly. Uh, it could be by birth, they were born into a slave family. It could be that they were sold into slavery. It could be that they simply ran out of money and had no way to support themselves or couldn't support themselves. And so they put themselves into slavery. It could be that they were, um, they had done something in society, something illegal that caused them to end up in slavery. Uh, and there were multiple other ways in which people could end up in slavery. And also it looked different than slavery in the U.S. America did and that it was not necessarily a, a, a lifetime commitment. Uh, there were freedoms and, and legal uh, positives that were afforded to slaves that were not afforded to slaves here in the U.S., though sometimes slavery looked very the same then as it did now, but not always. The other thing that we know as well is that slaves could buy their own freedom back um, in those situations. Didn't always happen. The last thing that I want to say before I jump into the verses is that slavery was pervasive during the first century. In Greek and Roman context, as many or more than a third of the entire population was slaves. And so most households had slaves in those days. And uh, with that in mind, why don't we jump into Ephesians chapter 6, verse 5, where Paul begins by writing directly to slaves, slaves, Obey your earthly masters with deep respect and fear. Serve them sincerely as you would serve Christ. Now, what we might want Paul to say is slavery is wrong. Slavery is evil. Slavery is not okay. Revolt. Paul doesn't say that. And that causes some concern. But the first thing that we have to understand is that, especially in the first century, the Christian's desire was not to upset the social order or culture. Christians' desire were simply to understand the gospel, understand Jesus Christ, and understand how no matter who you were, no matter how you were, no matter where you were, how you could, under the circumstances in which you found yourself, grow and follow Jesus Christ. That said, it doesn't necessarily mean that Christianity was not subversive. Christianity was highly subversive, but rather than being out front and public lots of times, it was behind the scenes, teaching people a better way of living. We see that even in this verse where Paul writing the slave says, obey your earthly masters with deep respect and fear. And so the first thing that we see here is that Paul is encouraging slaves to do well at their role, to be well thought of, to be deeply respectful, which is likely something that many slaves were not. And so Paul is saying, you're modeling Jesus Christ in your faith. So if you can't in the moment change the circumstances that you're in, you can change you. You may not be able to change the situation, but you can change you. And by changing how you respond to the situation, you may actually end up changing the situation. Serve them sincerely as you serve Christ. We don't immediately see this, but this is, again, a highly subversive idea. The idea that not only are you serving your master as a slave, but you are also serving Christ. Now, as a Christian, you have a greater master whom you serve. Imagine a slave owner now not being number one in a slave's life. 
in his or her slave's uh, circle. Think of that. It's a radical idea, but how can they get mad if that servant is serving them better than any of their other slaves and deeply respectful of them? It's highly subversive. What do you do about someone who now is not just a slave to you, but is also a slave to Jesus Christ, but is serving you well? What, what do you do with that? So what we see here is that Paul doesn't upset the cultural order, but what we have seen in verse 5 and what we'll see in 6 through 9 is a highly, extremely subversive set of ideas around and about slavery that end up actually bringing to an end for a lot of people, especially Christians who were masters and had slaves. It ends up bringing it to an end, even though Paul doesn't say, stop it. Verse six, still speaking to the slaves, try to please them all the time, not just when they're watching you. As slaves of Christ, do the will of God with all of your heart. Now, this requires a bit of a broader understanding of what Paul has written in Christianity, but Paul has used this language throughout most of his letters, and not just to slaves. Paul has said to all of us, we are servants of Christ, and he's actually used that idea, slaves of Christ. In fact, oftentimes, rather than using the term master, he uses the term Lord. And so the master slave owner is Lord, but also the Lord is Lord. And so Paul is encouraging all of us, not just those who are slaves, but everybody in the first century who is a Christian to see themselves as a slave. So imagine you're a slave, you're a part of the one third of the population, but there are two thirds of people and many other Christians who are not in indentured servitude, who are not slaves. Now imagine a pastor, evangelist, the, the leading thinker, Paul, coming and saying, you know what, uh, you have value as a slave, but all of you who aren't slaves, you're still slaves. In this moment, what Paul has done is Paul has, you can see, either raised the, the level of slaves to be equal with people who are not in slavery, but now are slaves to Jesus Christ. Or you could see it as Paul is lowering those people who have their freedom to the exact same level of slaves. Paul, at one other point in scripture, says that, that God doesn't see male or female, that, that God doesn't see um, Jew or Gentile, that God doesn't see slave or free. And this is what Paul is getting at here. As Christians, we are all in the same boat and we are all slaves to Christ. Imagine how that made slaves feel. We are all slaves to Christ. Yes, I may have a master. I may be a slave to him, but I'm also in slavery to Jesus Christ. And so are you. Verse seven, work with enthusiasm. Paul is still encouraging them to do well, even if they're in a situation that isn't right, to still do right and to be right. Work with enthusiasm as though you were working for the Lord rather than for the people. Paul encourages them, you know what? Don't think of it as you're working for somebody else. Think of it as you're working for the Lord rather than for people. I love that perspective. 
And remember, verse 8, that the Lord will reward each one of us for the good we do, whether we're slaves or free. And so Paul says, you know what? You may not be seeing the payoff today for what you're doing for other people, for what you're doing for your master. But if you live well, if you live rightly, as we spoke a few days ago, if you step well in your walk through this journey, then you will be rewarded. The same as someone who is free, because God sees no difference between the two. In fact, you as a slave may be more rewarded long term than those people who are free because you lived well and worked well and modeled well under such terrible circumstances. And then verse nine, and with this we'll close for today. And I love this because he now pauses speaking to slaves and speaks directly to the masters. Treat your slaves in the same way. Don't threaten them. Remember you both have the same master in heaven and he has no favorites. What Paul does here is actually quite brilliant because now these previous verses from five to eight, where he has been speaking directly to how slaves act, interact, and treat their masters, Paul now turns that on its head upside down and says, okay, if you're a slave owner, if you're a master and you have slaves, um, you need to treat your slaves in the same way. I want you to go back, Paul says, and reread what I wrote to slaves, and I want you to do that as well. Specifically, no threatening. And remember, you both have the exact same master in heaven and your master in heaven has no, has no favorites. This statement is difficult for us to fully see because, well, I don't know that any of us are slave owners today, that any of us are masters, at least in the classic sense of that. Also, uh, we can't understand this through the lens of the first century. But this is an absolutely shocking statement that he's made to masters to treat them equally and to understand that even the master is a slave as well. Taken alone, just this one verse, Ephesians 6, 9, would have, if followed by masters, essentially ended slavery for Christians. He's essentially saying here, in God's eyes, everybody is equal. And in God's eyes, the way you treat people is exactly the same. And your rewards are going to be based on how you live your life. What Paul does here is effectively, without saying it, say, there's really no way for you to own another person and do so under the authority or the guidelines of what it means to be a Christian or following a Christian life. And so that's why we said in the very beginning, in fact, I'll put it right back up here, that Paul doesn't outright upset the cultural order in this verse or in the previous two household cults that we've talked about. But each one of these are extremely subversive and each one of them do end up changing the cultural order. And this is the way Christians have always done it or should have always done it in that they change themselves and that by changing themselves, they end up radically changing the cultural order around them. Husband-wife, male-female relationships in a marriage, parent-child relationships in a family, and master-slave relationships in the social order. 
This Bible study from the book of Ephesians is brought to you by Christ Table. If you'd like to join us in the study, there's an easy to follow guide in the show notes, and we'd love to have you join us. You know, 65 million adults in the United States have already dropped out of church, and that number will grow by 2.7 million before the end of this year. We here at Christ Table are committed to doing something about that. We're committed to creating a world where the table is once again the center of the home, the center of family life, and especially the center of faith formation. Our mission? That's simple. To help people eat freely and drink deeply of life and of faith. Find out more about us by going to www.christtable.today. And when you get over to christtable.today, be sure to sign up for our email list. And for those who choose to donate, well, I've got a resource box that I'm going to send you in the mail as my thanks. And trust me, you're going to like it. By the way, the podcast is available because of the generous donations of our listeners and the incredible community of people who call Christ Table their spiritual home. Join us on our next episode as we continue our step-by-step study through the book of Ephesians. And if you'd like to watch these Bible studies live, there's more information on our website about that as well over at www.christtable.today. Thanks so much for listening. We wouldn't be here without you. Until next time, I'm Pastor Kevin Young, and this is the Christ Table Podcast.